0: to the Influence Factory podcast. This program is dedicated to support professionals who have a desire to develop their digital business influence so they can navigate through a fast-paced, constantly growing digital world. We invite newcomers as well as our family of business influencers to a place to play, share ideas, questions, tips, and guidance with other thought leaders around the globe. Sit back and enjoy our program with your host, Dean Delisle, as he interviews guests. News and commentary are provided by Jackson Delisle and Monica Hacker. Power Move lessons are provided by the Influencer Marketing Department at Social Jack. And production, editing, and distribution is provided by the Social Jack production team.
1: Today's show is brought to you by Planable. Planable Planable.io gives your social media team everything they need to really move their creative process forward. It allows you to preview social media posts as they are live, real time. No more screenshots, mock-ups, spreadsheets. Your clients (laughs) can review content from within the platform. And do you have anything to say about it, Monica? It's a great platform. We've been using it now for a month. I love it. Um, it's a game changer in the content world. I highly suggest it. Yeah, go to planable, planable.io to start your free trial today. All right, today I have a special guest with us, Joe Carnes from the Social Jack SEO Webmaster Everything Internet since Al Gore invented the internet (laughs) and before, I know. (laughs) Um, And uh, Joe, uh, Joe's been with us for quite some time. And Joe, you're... um You have some other talents as well, not just uh, SEO and those type of things, but I think uh, you and I work constantly on conversion, which means generating money off the internet, Mm -hmm. uh, converting leads to dollars. And then um, also on the personal side, I know you love dogs specifically, and uh, you love to play uh, lead guitar. So anything else you want to add to that?
2: Um, Boating, anything on the water. Yep. You can do some fishing.
1: What's your favorite fish to catch, fresh fish?
2: Um, I I actually hate eating fish, so I really don't (laughs) mind uh, any kind of – I guess the bigger it is, the more exciting it is. Right. Big
1: game. Oh, so you like uh, uh, northern and walleye?
2: The biggest fish I ever caught was uh, northern. that was like 28 inches. It was like this big.
1: We used to uh, we used to do uh, annual fishing trips right up over the border uh, into Canada, uh, north mm-hmm. of us here, and then we would uh, boundary waters a little beyond that, and then every other year we'd fly into Manitoba, and those were the monster fish, you know, muskie mm-hmm. and all the big, the big fighters. But um, but yep, I love uh, love that as well. So uh, today we're going to dig into a little bit about um, SEO trends that we see, and from our perspective, we see. You know, we help a lot of people rank uh, either as influencers or individuals, or that are really wanting to rank to the top for how they're thought leaders and things like that. And then we have businesses and companies that want to rank. And pretty much the game uh, of SEO uh, somewhat has changed and not changed a little bit. And um, and it's pre- but it's pretty much the same. If I want to be ranked at the top, or I want forward progress or social jack to be ranked, the the Guiding principles are pretty much the same, right?
2: Right. So it's a lot of people think, oh, I need 20 pages, 100 pages on my website. But a five page, great content, perfectly laid out and keyword optimized, a five page website can rank higher than a 500 page website that's a mess. Right. So you don't need a ton of content, you just need enough that's uh, really good. And using, you know, some free tools like the Yoast SEO plugin and WordPress is a great place to start and getting a handful of good, high quality backlinks pointing to your site and creating that Google business profile that points to your site is going to be a great start.
1: So... Uh, To your point of having a lot of pages or not having a lot of pages, so I think people still think that, you know, let's say their business takes a shift or it moves or they have a bunch of old blog posts, but their business model changes, which means their keyword strategy changes and how people look for them might change. Um, So do you recommend that when you're putting, like moving over to a new website, do you bring everything over or just what's the most relevant?
2: Yeah, it's it's usually not good to remove a page from the website if it's got content on it and you know it ranks or doesn't rank um, because it might be helping the whole website rank higher and you might be killing it. It's kind of like actually canceling an old credit card you don't use instead of just leaving it empty and unused for your credit profile because it could impact your credit score because the whole uh, available credit goes down. So kind of the same idea if it's something that you just totally don't do anymore you can remove it from you know visibly from the menu and stuff and it just lives in the background um, somewhere um, or you can do a, a simple redirect where you still get some of that link juice from Google where you can you know install one of these free plugins or I think even Yoast the free plugin has uh, the redirect it's called the 301 redirect where you just say hey you know this isn't here anymore Forward it to this page, or forward it to my homepage. That's another way to take old content and just repoint it to something else in your site, so Google doesn't lose that path.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's good. So, um, so in the websites, it used to be that we would have to go into every page and and put meta tags in there, and data, and keywords, and things, so that Google would say, "Hey, Google, I'm over here, and I want you to." bring me to the top for this stuff. Is that what uh, uh, tools like Yoast and things sort of make it easier? Or what does that actually do?
2: Yes. So as far as on-page SEO optimization, that's what you can change or what you can control that's on the page, actually. And the Yoast SEO plugin is the best one, the most popular on the market. There's some other good ones too, but it's most common. And you simply start with, here's my keyword phrase. Here's what this page is about. And it will actually coach you through like 10 steps to optimizing what the words are on the page to make that, you know, as, as highly optimized as possible. And there's a fine line between, you know, over-optimizing or catering too much to the SEO gods and you know, having to be just readable and flow well. So usually you have to end up somewhere in between. And in almost every case, there's more words that need to be typed. In order to keep your keyword density uh, where it needs to be and, and actually succeed in getting all the green check boxes to show up within the coaching part of the plugin.
1: Yeah, that's cool. So um, I like that uh, you know I like that they have made it easier because especially if you're a uh, you know a uh, professional just starting out and you have your own website or you have a business that you want to get ranked, um, at least they're making it a little bit easier. Um, yep. What is um, what is your thought or theory on, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, the blogging, because WordPress started out as a blog platform and still is really, you know, all the pages are blog pages, if you will. But, you know, somebody is thinking about planning for 2020. And they say, you know, should I do, you know, one blog a week? Or is this based on my keywords? How many I have? Like, like, what's your philosophy on how often we should be blogging or putting content on our website
2: Yeah, good question. So this comes back to the quantity versus quality idea. Uh, If you have the wherewithal to do two or three posts per week or per month, or one really long good one, just do one really long good one and maybe cover each of those different topics in one. Um, so if we were to write a blog post, like the top five things to do in 2020, instead of doing one tip for day, per day, five days in, in little chunks, that's not really enough for Google to latch onto. So if we did one longer post, that ended up being like 900 or 1000 words, and we had different sections, each addressing each of those tips, that would be a better way to structure it because there'd be more content for Google to identify. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and speaking to the why it's better to make it a post, um, the WordPress platform does do a great job, which is why it's so popular on posts, To extract and get you to input what that metadata actually is. So not only are you putting like a good title in there that has your keyword in it and sprinkled throughout and stuff, but you can input tags in a WordPress post that you don't or it's very difficult to do in a traditional page without going into html and everything so you can put those tags in there you can put categories in there you can put a featured image in there you can have an alt tag behind the featured image and wordpress kind of does all that for you so that when you publish that post now google can easily identify what that is and that's why blog posts rank high
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And, um, you know, you talk a lot about, um, I'm going to switch a little bit, you talk a little bit about um, backlinks all the time, and it seems like that game is still super relevant. And There used to be all this spammy stuff where you could purchase 20,000 backlinks, but then they caught on to that, right?
2: (laughs) Absolutely, so Google has actually been penalizing websites, delisting websites. I heard one of the big news websites like lost twenty thousand uh, search results because they were getting these backlinks from you know some legitimate places, and but there was this old you know shady backlinks also pointing to them that someone did on their team ages ago, and Google's just getting rid of all that. So um, it comes back down to how. How high is the authority of the backlink and how, how relevant is it? So if there's some shady link farm that, yes, that domain has a high authority. So when you get this spam email trying to pitch you on, hey, give us $100 and we'll put you on these five websites that have these really high domain authorities. Google looks down on that because if you actually go to one of those websites, you'll see that all it is is backlinks. There's zero quality about that. It's just a place where they post a bazillion backlinks and try and make a business out of it still. Instead, if you have a partner, a vendor, uh, past clients, anyone that has a high authority and relevant website that will point to your site is like getting a huge positive endorsement from that person in the physical world. So Google will see that backlink and say, wow, this website's pointing to them. And they actually use, you know, the hyperlink is this keyword phrase saying exactly what they do, the service they provide. So now Google says, okay, high domain authority website pointing at your website. The words that make up the backlink is exactly how you want to be ranked. And this person, this website is... Sort of connected to what your business does, so that's a very good backlink. And e- even having just a handful of those will do more good in getting all the pages of your site to rank higher than having a hundred of the shady backlinks.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. So we do these, um, we do a lot of these SEO press releases, right. and and realistically, I mean, it's fun and it's cool because it it helps people go into the news and and people get confused sometimes because they're like, well, how come I didn't get on ABC News Chicago on television last night, you know, and things like that. And um, you know, I think I think it's important to make a distinction that the power of those press releases are putting legitimate news backlinks from hundreds of news sites pointing back Uh, to uh, whatever website you want to promote, right? Can you explain a little bit
2: how that works? Right, exactly. So there's different types of press release vendors out there. There's the ones that are, you know, medium to high cost and put you on a handful of the biggest of the big. Some of those might be follow links, some may not. So that's just a difference of how much link juice Google will give you for having that link. Um, But, The strategy that we use is a little bit different, where the primary focus is getting those high reputation quality backlinks and less about actual humans being on those sites. Some new sites that are more or less uh, relevant and or local than others, but getting a high quantity of quality backlinks that point to the site. And we can strategically use the right phrases so we get the contextual backlinks also pointing to the site. So what Google ends up seeing is, wow, you know, there's all these NBC, ABC, Fox affiliate sites, and other news sites all over that have very high domain authority that are all pointing to your website. So it isn't, It can't be a big success if done on its own, but it is a big part of, you know, an an all encompassing SEO strategy. And it checks the boxes when it comes to needing those high authority backlinks. If you're a smaller business or any business that may not have, you know, big clients, big partners that have or are willing to have backlinks pointing to your site.
1: Yeah. And, um, and, uh, so i know uh um, you know we've been doing this i think for a couple of years now and it seems like it always pays off uh but you know it's not like a one and done you still want to do a series of them if you can it depends you know how many um you know how many keywords you're trying to rank for and i think people get overwhelmed and confused when you know, because because I'll say, well, what's the top phrase you want to get found for? And they're like, they'll start listing out all these phrases, and I'm like, well, you can't afford to rank for fifty keyword phrases. And and just so everybody that's listening knows, is there a difference between a keyword and a keyword phrase? Really?
2: It's yeah, just a number of words. Yeah. So um, if you are a personal injury attorney, personal injury attorney, or attorney would be the keyword. And, uh, you know, personal injury attorney Chicago would be your keyword phrase just because it's more than one
1: word. Yeah. And so for something like that, or any business that's listening in, uh, what do you recommend in terms of number of keywords? Or does that vary on budget? Or what's the, you know, what's the condition there?
2: Yep. So this is the same concept of Regular organic SEO, as far as difficulty goes, is if you're in a if you're in a very competitive space, and you do business nationwide, and it's not localized to a specific city, it's going to be a lot harder. Just as organic SEO is. So if you are on the easy side of the spectrum where you're doing something more unique and it's localized, like say a piano tuning company in Topeka, Kansas is going to be easier to rank for than, you know, a Manhattan, New York city personal injury attorney, right? Where they're, you know, paying $200 a click on AdWords because it's fiercely competitive and all your competitors have deep pockets. So the more localized you can make it, the easier it's going to be.
1: Yeah, because it was interesting, like with uh, Scott Nyman's firm, how he um, he does trademarks and and mm-hmm. patents and things like that. And then all of a sudden, we actually jumped him to the top of Google, and he's a small five person firm, and we did a series of press releases, and all of a sudden he jumped to the top. So. How do you explain that where, you know, and when we started to look, there's, I mean, obviously you can't bump the ads out of the way, you know, people know these days that if it says ad, it's an ad and if it's not, it's a not. But so how did, how did his work so well?
2: It's a combination of things. So on our, you know, top three or five things that play into this is not just the, Backlinks your website's getting, which we satisfy in part with the SEO strategic press release. But Google also looks at whether or not you have a Google My Business listing. So if you're based in Chicago and someone's typing in Chicago trademark attorney or Chicago patent attorney, it's going to look at, okay, let's look at who's on the Chicago Google map. And because uh, I think we coached him through setting that up, that was a big part in Google connecting the dots and saying, okay, well, we see this uh, company that's getting these good backlinks, and we, he's validated himself, his company by having the Google My Business profile. And I think we also did like the citations and signals pack for him. So basically, just added some other engagement and helping him get some reviews. So the more reviews you have... so. Just remember at the end of the day, Google's looking at how validated and uh, credible is this company in its likelihood of satisfying the solution of whatever the thing is that the searcher is looking for. So if Google senses, okay, this person is looking for a patent attorney or trademark attorney in Chicago, it's going to look at, okay... The map is the locality solution. The backlinks is kind of the reputation solution. Have they validated their um, physical location by getting the card in the mail and doing that whole thing? And do they actually do good work, which is the reputation part, which is the reviews part of it? So we kind of checked all the boxes. And it's also just slightly possible that there aren't other patent attorneys that have gone through all those steps. Chicago. Yeah, which would be somewhat difficult to believe because Chicago's size. um, But I think we did enough of a comprehensive approach to um, get them to rank. And there's a shocking statistic in the law space in general, that in those top three map spots, if you're in any of those top three map spots, and you weren't before, and you're in any kind of law, that is supposedly worth $1 $1 million per year in additional revenue by being in one of those map spots, if you're an attorney.
1: If you pick up the phone and respond to your emails.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Gotta put that
1: disclaimer in there. We drive a lot of leads and then some people just don't respond. So that's a whole other uh, webinar.
2: <laughs> right. So there's a whole industry now in Google Maps to you know companies claiming they'll get you onto the map and everything. And it it really is a fairly simple strategy. is It's just have you filled out the whole Maps profile, which there's actually a lot of different fields that Google's added now. You can like post in there. You can have a featured product. You can have a weekly sale. You can add more photos, different types of photos um, now, and even a longer about section. And in that about little paragraph, obviously you want to pack as many. Uh, keywords in there, but still make it flow in a natural way. So it doesn't look like you're trying to cheat.
1: So so you mentioned Google Maps and Google My Business, and but you didn't mention Google Plus because that's right. gone. <laughs> right.
2: So <laughs> Google My Business and Maps are kind of the same thing now.
1: Okay. So I know that um, I know I know a lot about Google My Business. Well, because of you and the team and Monica and the team that update those. And I was impressed with, uh, like you said, the amount of content because you can post content, photos mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Uh, it make it real easy to update. And uh, you know you can add content in there with keywords. You can list events. I mean, it's almost become its own little seo social media thing right they took like the the best parts of google plus and the parts of of indexing on google and sort of wrapped it into a shell and it's amazing how many people still don't know that they need to fill out all of their google my business right
2: a lot of people don't need a lot of companies don't even claim their business so uh What Google tries to do is if it knows that a business exists at a particular location, it'll show it on there whether or not the company has figured out how to claim it. Um, So a business could end up on there because a business owner clicks create my business and they put the, the address in and they work it that way. Or Google will just know it's there, put it there, and the business owner will say, yes, that's my business. And they'll click claim and they'll create a Google My Business account and validate the address from that direction.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And you said Maps is bundled in with Google My Business. So is that an automatic thing or do you have to like?
2: Well, it's still separate in that if you wanted to look up directions somewhere, you can go to pure Maps. But if you have Google My Business, you have to, it's integrated in that your business shows up on the map. So like one of the first steps when you create your business, it will, it'll pull up Google Maps on your screen and it'll say, "Is like, okay, this is exactly where we think you're talking about. Is this yes or no? And so you, it'll tie those coordinates within Google Maps into your Google My Business profile because that's a huge part of, it's an integral part of uh, Maps because that's how you show up. Yeah, that makes. Geo positioned.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And it's not just for local businesses, right? I mean, if you're national or multi...
2: Right. Whatever. So there's, Google, has shift, Google My Business has shifted to now enabling you to say, like, do you have a market area? Is it 10 miles around this location? Uh, do you travel to other businesses to provide a service? How far would you go to provide that service? So you're if you're an HVAC repair company, uh, Google wants to know, Will you go 50 miles away? And they do that not just to help you, um, but to help you show up for the right prospects. Yeah, right. So that's how, if somebody's searching 50 miles away and you will only go 20 miles away, you're less likely or not going to show up in one of those map spots, regardless of how good your SEO is, simply because you're not a qualified candidate to service that person.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And then Jerry asks a question. Can you have multiple Google My Business listings? Like if you have multiple
2: businesses, which would be the ideal, right? Yeah, this happens a lot. So some of the corner cutting that goes on is, you know, some people say, well, I don't want to put my home address on there and I'm a small business. So I got this. You know, P.O. Box or Mailbox, etc., UPS, USPS, a lot of the mailboxes type companies. And Google has figured out those addresses right away. As soon as it gets, you know, maybe three people claiming that same address, it will usually block others from saying that their business exists there. And part of that is you have to have an external, you know, a street shot view. Up the storefront, right. yeah. and that will almost you know kill it right there, too, some of them slip through, and I think there is some human um, moderating of every new Google my Business account that shows up, um, but there's some challenge there now, with our uh, location there in Chicago, obviously that's a legitimate share space kind of setup like we work and others, um, so those usually pass because Google knows. That there could be multiple businesses in one building. Well, that we're physically, building.
1: we're physically here,
2: too. Right, so, right. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit of a challenge. But if it's legit, it'll pass. Or a human will look at it and it will pass. But and, in terms of it, having multiple locations, right. sorry, uh, yes, you can have multiple locations for the same company. So we have, I think, in ours, an Indiana location for an office. And the Chicago location, which is where we actually work out of Um, for a think of like a Subway, (laughs) you know, one franchise owner might have 10 Subway locations and he wants to put all the locations. So those can be set as different locations under the same parent company in Google My Business.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Jerry, hopefully that helps. Uh, Keep asking questions if you do have questions on these topics, though. Um, so make sure that you claim your Google, my business. And then Joe, what's the, what's the best way to claim it? Do you just create a G
2: there's just account? a button, but there's a okay. link right on it. So if you look up your business or you just navigate to the part of the map where it should be, and you see it there, you can click on it. And then when it lists, like, in a very incomplete, basically like a shell of the whole, whole profile, um, in place of one of the missing links in there will say like, "Is this business yours? Click here to claim it." And then yeah. it'll walk you through either logging into an existing Google account, Gmail account, um, where it hopes to find your Google My Business account, or you can click "Register and then create a Google My Business account right there.: Yeah, there you go. Okay. And remember cool. that they have to mail you the postcard in order for you to validate that you are at that address.
1: Okay. Got it. Um, can we, uh, can we just walk through a little bit? Cause you mentioned like citations and signals and reviews. Can you just, yep. um, oh, uh, Jerry asks, uh, can I use a home address? I think you said that's they sort of, catch. you can, oh, you can. Okay.
2: So, you can, but just That's realize if you want everybody on the internet to know where you live <laughs> right, and there's there's lots of people who use a home address, even when yeah. you're just looking on maps to navigate somewhere, you'll look at a suburban neighborhood and it'll be like "Sally's haircutting or you know whatever um, so yes, it is common, but everyone is gonna know that you've got a home business there, and that may be okay or it may not, and just also realize that it's Google will automatically show the front of your house or whatever it sees from its street view as the front of your business on that business profile. So that might be a little iffy too. Yeah,
1: of course I'm always laughing because I always wonder how often they update, you know, that stuff with that with that. And uh, you know, my uh they still have my old backyard picture in, oh, like, right. from like 10 years ago. So
2: yeah.
1: I was always wondering how often it has to do with
2: how uh populated the area is got it okay
1: i was wondering what the because i I would see them on the street with the cameras driving Mm -hmm. around on the car you know on on cars and then i haven't seen a bunch lately but i don't know how often they update those maps i'm always curious but maybe they don't know either um so so So, reviews citations and signals let's break that down
2: reviews are king because it's remember google's number one goal is providing searchers with the highest quality results. And that's how Google started surpassing Bing and Yahoo and everything exponentially, is it found an algorithm that works the best at providing the best solution. So what could be better than looking to see what restaurant you should go to, maybe a new city that you haven't been to before, and finding one that has a 4.9 or 5-star review, and they have a 1,000 people who have corroborated that quality. So it works in the other direction too, unfortunately or fortunately is that if you've got some really bad reviews, then, you know, maybe you're bumped off one of the three map spots or, um, you don't get to show up in the map because you've got bad reviews. So as far as getting reviews, it's always better to have, you know, five authentic, really good ones from real past customers than hiring some company that's going to claim to get you, you know, fake reviews or all positive reviews and, um, to do it that way. So, yeah. So, um,
1: so realistically pick up the phone and tell them I'm going to send you a link, please leave mm-hmm. us a review. And do they need a, a Gmail or Google account to leave a review?
2: Yes. So that's, you know, it is a pain, but that's the important step where Google's trying to not let one person cheat and just give you a thousand reviews. Yeah, right. Now, obviously you can create a thousand different <laughs> Gmails if you want to do and have a thousand different IP addresses somehow, but Most people aren't going to do that. So, yes, you at least need to log into some Gmail account. And if the user just, for whatever reason, doesn't have one, um, which once in a while we do run into that type of situation, uh, they would just create one. It takes, you know, two minutes and then be able to leave that review. Got it.
1: Okay. That's, that seems clear. And
2: one important thing is that in some situations you may legitimately have a number of clients in the same building. Like, so for example, where we are, we might have two or three or four clients who are in the same building who are our legitimate clients, but that still looks bad to Google because it looks like we have multiple people trying to kind of cheat where yes, there are Logged in with different Gmail accounts, but they're all coming from the same IP address somehow, or they look like they're coming from the same building. That couldn't usually happen um, in the real world. So, what's best to do is, you know, let if you have multiple people in the same building, maybe in a high rise or something situation, just say, hey, you know, I'm going to send this to you later on, or do this from home, or do it from anywhere else so we have the best chances of it passing where Google sees, you know, multiple reviews coming in. Yeah, for sure. So the more authentic it can look, the better. And that that makes total sense. Um, And what are citations? Right. So citations are other business directory type websites. So like Yellow Pages, there's Manta, there's a whole bunch of like 50 of them now, probably even more, where we can create or you can create on your own. Um, The exact matching business address, business name, phone number, and website has to match exactly as what you have it in in your Google business profile. And by them being on these other websites and all pointing to your website, not only does it give you a decent backlink, but it validates through kind of third-party sources that your business exists and the location where it exists. And that's why it's important for the, the way that the street address shows up, the way that everything shows up is exactly the same because that's how Google finds that and corroborates like, okay, now we know that not only did we validate their physical address of the business through mailing them the card, but there's all these other directory websites that also say that's the business and that's where it's located. Yeah, that makes total sense. And then the signals is simply just all encompassing engagement by end users around that Google business profile. So if there's nobody, like if you show up on the map and there's no one that's ever clicked on directions, you know, take me there, or no one's ever clicked on the phone number, which brought up their, you know, call screen and they called you if they're on a smartphone google starts scratching their head saying wait a minute why has no one engaged with why do we even business? have them on the like, map what are you yeah. doing here right. uh, but on the other hand if there's lots of people or at least a decently consistent number of people who are look, clicking on directions clicking on the phone number clicking on your post because now you can post inside of google my business the more engagement or signals there are to google that that you belong there and that you're providing a good solution for users, the higher you'll rank within the three spots, and the longer you'll have staying power there. Right. So okay. yeah. citations, signals, reviews, all having to do with the Google My yeah. Business.
1: All right. So, um, so with that being said, um, you know, then we have uh, the engagement factors, which I think that covers all of them, right?
2: Right. So the, the signals is kind of the how the end users are engaging with that profile.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, what about, um, you know, you talk a little bit about uh, Google's ping pong piece. What is that all
2: about? Right. So we touched on this a little bit earlier. That's where Google's measuring the amount of dwell time you stay users stay on your site when they come from Google search so if someone's searching for digital marketing companies Chicago and we might show up and they land on the forward-progress website if they stay there and look around a long time Google says okay we think that they found what they were looking for and we're gonna keep forward-progress ranking high for that search phrase But if a user gets, you know, we show up on page one of results, they click on it and people are leaving consistently leaving right away. That tells Google that they're ping ponging back and forth between search results. And maybe they shouldn't be ranked that high because consistently users are leaving right away when they come from search using that keyword phrase. So it's a very basic, but a very, you know, validated um, weighting uh, factor for Google and figuring out is this search result providing the, the quality answer that we thought it was or not. Got it. Yeah.
1: Okay. So then, um, so with that, you know, does, does it impact or have us think differently? Like when we're creating videos, when we're Mm -hmm. creating blogs, when we're even making graphics, should we think differently how we use those?
2: Yeah. I mean, some of it's really basic, like, when someone gets to this page of your site or the home page of your site or any page of your site, are you giving them the answer that you think they're looking for easily that they could start digesting it and digging into it? Or is it more likely you're just giving them links to all these places and they're, you're not really providing a robust answer? One way to always have people stay longer is to provide video so maybe in the longer blog post that we were talking about earlier would be the ideal blog post to rank high maybe there's an embedded YouTube video in there that helps explain part of what the answer is right so even if it's a one or two minute video that's one or two minutes longer that that person could stay on that page than if there wasn't a video there and that would help you know provide some insurance for you that the Google ping pong effect wouldn't be, you know, a negative factor on that page. Got it.
1: Okay, cool. So, uh, so what are some other, uh, you know, what are some other cool things or or cool uh, tools that you like to use that are, um, you know, maybe they have to do with SEO and maybe they don't, maybe they're just cool things, you know, so that make your job easier.
2: Right. The number one thing right now has been HubSpot's free edition, far and away. Right. So some users are using some type of CRM system to you know store all their contacts. Some might be using the old spreadsheet way of doing things. Some might be using a super expensive version of Salesforce. And the free version of HubSpot is the far and away best value that I've seen with any free tool in years and years and years. Yeah. I'm I'm impressed with
1: how much they give you for free. I mean, right. we use it with how many users and thousands of records and yeah, it's just incredible.
2: Right. So all of these SaaS tools, you know, software tools and stuff online, you know, have had kind of the old way of thinking until the last couple of years where well we have this really valuable thing and if we price it too low, people are going to think it has no value. Right. But we've have been proven time and time again by YouTube and by Facebook, you know, started out with no ads at all. And what they were doing at the time in the beginning was just to get massive following. And they thought, well, if we can show people that we're going to provide this cool service that they're going to sort of get addicted to and really love and want to live on, and then we start putting the ads in there, then we'll have them captured already. So this freemium kind of model has really taken off and it just took longer in the CRM space, I think. Where you have like, you know, Salesforce kind of just started offering kind of like a super light package, probably because they're having their lunch eaten by, you know, HubSpot.
1: Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting how it sort of changes the game and 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 makes it better for us as users. Um, right. I think I think one that you recommended a while back that we still love is Airtable. We still haven't hit a limitation where we have to pay for it. So thank
2: you. Right, which is amazing because we use it for so many things. Right. So they have some pro features, kind of like how HubSpot does, which you know, may be more or less relevant for some companies. But for the average small business, just having sort of a worksheet style view of uh, maybe all the tasks that go into a project. We use it for sort of like project management. And we've used Basecamp in the past and some other really big Smart ones.
1: Sheet. Yeah, some of the other ones, but right. we had to pay for all those. And it really didn't do as much sometimes as
2: Airtable or as easy. Right. So you can have unlimited team members inside of Airtable on the free version. You can have unlimited, you know, sheets or projects inside there. It's just tremendous value for um for it being free
1: yeah so hopefully they don't change that anytime soon um what other uh, tools that that i mean whenever we need something free or or low cost you always seem to find some of the good stuff out there what are some other favorites
2: right so there's a newer tool that a buddy of mine came out with called shortener it's basically like a newer link shortener where that we've started using in the Real version, the free offer is going to be coming out soon. But the reason that it's unique versus using like a bit.ly or something is you can take any pixel, JavaScript pixel, and have it fire during that redirect, which is just incredibly powerful. So there's some other shorteners that are kind of expensive that are kind of out there now. But think about all of the cool things that are now available by just copying and pasting a link. So If you have a chat bot, for example, it could be the Facebook chat bot. It could be one of these third-party ones that are really popular, like um, Intercom, I think, is one of them. Uh, We use the little chat bot from HubSpot, which is free as part of HubSpot free. You can shorten your link copy and paste that little chatbot in there. And then whatever page the user ends up on, your little sales guy, your chatbot appears magically. So imagine having that ability to post things on social media. Maybe you're sending someone to an article about social selling or um, anything else. You can actually direct them and not only get all the good analytics in this shortening tool about you know how many people clicked where they're located all sorts of the normal stuff but by embedding your little chatbot script in there you could get actual leads and close some sales on these any website basically by having your little chatbot follow that link to its destination
1: yeah that's pretty so that's huge well, and one of the favorites that you haven't mentioned, or I think um just because I used to we used to pay a lot of money to do this back in the sequel days, is zap zapier, yeah, yeah, I just call it Zap and zapier it allows almost anything to talk to anything, doesn't it
2: right so What's so cool is we have all these different applications and CRM SaaS platforms and out there and CRMs out there and even you know Microsoft 365 and Outlook or Exchange email. And you couldn't really tie them together. So a few years ago, the rise of these connector tools became really popular. And Zapier is still the biggest, but there's actually two or three other ones now that are rising in popularity. And all they did was really use API developers and create, a little connector tool to connect the most popular applications. And there's an unlimited number of like combinations that you can create um, the more creative you are. So if you want to say anyone who clicks on a link in any of our email campaigns from our email marketing platform, automatically create them as a contact so we know to follow up with them in our HubSpot. Or right. automatically send me a, a different email or a lead alert or add them to this Google sheet. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that's the cool part. So, uh, for instance, you know, the uh, when we need to automatically push something into GoToWebinar, uh, you know, or something like that, like for a webinar, they register over here. Or how do we get them over here? And it just helps put all those connectors and links together. And there's still some that block it, but for the most part, there's a lot of I mean, there's thousands and thousands of canned integrations out there.
2: Right. And it also helps all the existing and to be invented SaaS platforms from automatically being connectable. So if you are, you know, lead pages or any of these platforms and you wanted to be able to let users say, hey, anyone who registers here or Eventbrite or whatever, um, put them in our email marketing drip campaign or whatever, they would have to build, have their developers build all the integrations that they have. So before Zapier, you know, we've used lead pages for a long time. Lead pages might have like five things that they can connect to, but now if they just connect it to Zapier, now the sky's the limit. You can have, you know, five different, 500 different things happen just by creating one integration. Yeah, that's cool. Any others pop into your head? Oh boy. that's okay (laughs) (laughs) what do you what Um, do you still like for uh, passwords oh yeah go for it yeah go brave browser what so this is the the coolest invention plus it has to do with blockchain and bitcoin and stuff so it's really cool so the the ceo or like the top guy at mozilla firefox got booted from the board two years ago. And he was one of the original the inventors of JavaScript and everything. He has plenty of money to just retire. But instead of retiring, he thought, you know what? I'm really going to stick it to Google. I'm going to stick it to everybody. So he's created a equally, if not better, super lightweight browser that does everything Chrome can do. You can have extensions in there, everything. Um, it's called Brave. So if you just Google Brave browser, and what it does is it blocks all ads, it blocks everything. So you get basically like a built-in ad blocker, but it has replaced the whole advertising platform by having you, it gives you the ability to toggle on or off the ability to see a few push notification ads that it serves instead of all the other ads on the internet. So if you toggle that switch off, you just literally, it's like having an ad blocker. You have a faster internet experience because all trackers are being blocked. And if you're on LinkedIn, for example, there's about 50 of them running in the background these days. So you can either have a faster experience or you toggle that switch on and it has its own Digital currency called the BAT, stands for Basic Access Token. That's actually a very popular one already. You can even get it on Coinbase and a bunch of other stuff. So you earn these little tokens just by doing what you normally do, which is surf around the internet and accept a few advertisements, which is still like one tenth as many as you would normally see if you used Chrome or any other browser without ad blocking. Right. So I've been trying it for, you know, probably a month and a half or two months now. And just by using it, you know, Half the time, I've already built up, it looks like, $5 of these coins, which you could go to an exchange, you could sell, and actually get U.S. dollars back just by doing what you normally do. So what they've essentially done is kind of leveled the playing field or democratized the ad environment on on Google no longer having the monopoly on advertising online and tracking you so, wow! so you can block ads and earn money just by using this browser wow that's crazy
1: all right well uh with that being said we're just about out of time yeah, thanks so- again joe and then um For the rest of you, we'll see you climbing to the top of Google with the rest of us with some of these cool tips that you learned today. So we'll see you next year uh, for a whole new set of programming. And I'm sure we'll have Joe back on again in the new year. So thanks again, Joe. And thanks to all of you for listening in. And this is the Influence Factory. And we'll see you later. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to the Influence Factory podcast. We welcome feedback and suggestions. You can provide these by visiting our website at www.myinfluencefactory.com. And if you are interested in Social Jack's 90 Days to Influence program, you can simply go to 90daystobusinessinfluence.com and simply ask for the next steps. While our program airs regularly on Zoom webcasts and Facebook Live on Wednesdays at noon central, we invite you to download episodes on your favorite channel, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and who knows where else in the future. We will also provide occasional on-location live streams with special guests that we will announce in our community Facebook group, Business Influencer Alliance, as well as on all Social Jack channels. Our mission is to help you build your digital business influence with this podcast, as well as inspire, educate, and entertain those who are hungry to collaborate in a cool place with cool business professionals just like you.